right. Let's go. So okay. thank you for coming back to Unexplained Oregon. We're excited to be back here. Yay. This is Christine. Christine. <laughs> and, I know. This is Kim and Christine with Unexplained Oregon. And we're excited to be back. And we just have to say uh, you're about to listen to a episode that we taped a while ago. I I mean, it feels like a while ago. <laughs> we say a while ago. It was. It, it feels, was like in, a, feels like a year, a year ago. ago. But oh it was my in gosh, June. It feels like such a long time ago. But it was in June. And I want to just say I definitely was hitting some kind of wall in June with the whole COVID thing. I think at that point we had been home a couple months. I know we taped a COVID episode, an update episode of what we were watching during COVID, but definitely in June, I was feeling a different way than I was in March when we taped our COVID update. And uh, I think I've had some time to reflect on that. And I think the reason why I felt like that was because usually June is a month for me that zooms by. I'm usually very, very invested in what the kids are doing, trying to get their year ended up right. And usually on that last day of school, I'm someone that is bawling because I don't want my kids to go on to that next year. It's just mm-hmm. June usually is such a crazy month for us. Yeah. It zooms by. For sure. It's crazy. This June was totally different. Right. I was, it, it, it dragged on. So when we taped this Cowden episode, I was definitely in some kind of June COVID funk. Yeah. And maybe we failed to mention that uh, when you listen to this episode, you're going to hear violence towards children. I don't know if we mentioned that, but it definitely does happen with this episode. Uh, this is a story about an entire family that goes missing in the mm-hmm. state of Oregon. And I think generally why we decided to cover this story was because it's really hard to find stories of an entire family that has gone missing. Right. And then months later, they ended up at the basically where they went missing from and they were all murdered. And, uh, I don't know if we mentioned that, but the kids were murdered and there was some violence towards the children. And that is very disturbing. It's, it's always disturbing to hear shit like that. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we now, as we are about to release this episode and it's, um, you know, August, we're reflecting back on kind of where our headspace and was, we just spent a couple hours talking before we recorded this and, we we're talking that this is like COVID times and um, kind of what was on our mind in June. Uh, we, I think we did forget to kind of mention that, that some of this material could be disturbing. Um, and so we wanted to put that out there. Also, we want to talk about the fact that this episode is not another missing boy episode. Um, our previous exactly. ones. We've had that... some inquiries on if Unexplained Oregon is just going to focus on missing boys. And they are not. We are not. We are right? not. It just happened to be that 
That's the way that the stars and moon and sun aligned and the universe presented itself with COVID times and our recordings ended up just kind of working out the way that they did and they're organic. That's like what we talked about. They're organic. I was, yeah, you know. Exactly. And I think just to remind people once, I mean, the reason why we started off with Chiron was because he just organically was in the conversation that happened when we just started talking about doing a podcast, right? And so it was like, oh my gosh, if we do do one, I need to do one on Chiron Horman because he holds a place in my heart. Mm -hmm. And then we found Derek. And then I think once you found Derek... And we discovered Sammy, like the two cases were so linked together that we felt like we couldn't, we couldn't not tell you about Sammy after covering Derek. Right. And so that's kind of how it aligned. But we have had some people ask us, hey, is this just a missing boy podcast in the state of Oregon? This is all things, let's be clear, this is all things creepy. And this is just the beginning. We are excited to keep going and to see um, what what stories you guys have that you want to share at unexplainedoregon at gmail.com. Uh, we have an Instagram now, uh, the Unexplained Oregon Podcast. Look for us on Instagram. Uh, we have Yay. a Facebook page. So we are moving right along. We are learning and growing. We and are learning. Figuring and out to wear headphones. And exactly. We're, <laughs> when we're learning to not say, um. Still like saying, second. um, all the time. But we are, we're figuring it out. And we're, you know, we want to continue just recording the things that kind of are fun for us to talk about and we're going to keep doing that we have uh some upcoming episodes that we we want to do regarding some ufos we've talked about that already and then i think bigfoot is in our future exactly we have we we are researching some stuff on bigfoot we want to talk about it talk about some stuff that's out there and we're excited about it i mean I, again, this is something that we're putting out there and you and I have sat and talked for the last couple hours before we hit record on this. And I think it's just important to mention that the, this is a conversation that maybe we wouldn't have had if COVID wasn't happening. Like you and I are making an effort to get together to have these conversations Mm -hmm. and it is bringing us joy in our life to focus on something other than COVID. It's, you know, uh, I think I, I've mentioned it before. This might be the way of the future. Get on the phone with your best friend and do a Google chat with them and talk with them yeah. for a couple hours and it will do you some good. And yeah. this is what Christine and I are doing. And we just have this little dream out there that other people will be interested in it. And so hopefully you are interested in it. And if you've emailed us, great. If you haven't, please do. We want to hear your creepy stories because everybody in a time has like one. this. Exactly. That's the in thing a time is, like this, yeah. we know you have one. We don't care what it is. We want to hear about it. We want to hear you know, what's happened to you? Email It doesn't us. even have to be you. Order. It can be someone that you know, like the story that your dad told your 
you and your siblings or, I mean, it, it's interesting. Uh, we are probably sounding a little bit like, please email us, but it's fun (laughs) to hear. That's the fun part about it is, um, to hear other people's, you know, when you have like a, like a link to the story or anything, like even with this Cowden one, my dad had worked with the sister of Cowden, you know, and so there is a little link there and that's what kind of got us going. I think with this story, it was like, Oh, I had mentioned it to my dad. Hey, do you remember the Cowden? He was like, Oh yeah, I remember that story. So, I mean, that's what really got us going with this. So if you have anything out there, that you feel like would interest us or that you want to share, please email it to us. We would greatly appreciate it. And we just want to make sure that people are staying healthy during this time. And it's a scary time in our world. And we're hoping that this brings you some kind of joy and some kind of distraction Distraction. (laughs) to what's going on in the world out there. So true. Because when you stop and think of what's going on, it can be very scary. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I I surely do enjoy you, Christine. Oh, I enjoy you too, Kim. And, and just... with that being said, I'm super excited to share this episode with everyone. Yes, so stay tuned. Enjoy. Listen, enjoy our next one, and email Get ready us. to be creepy. There we go. Hello. We're back. This is Unexplained Oregon. Christine and Kim, we're back here to talk about the Cowden family murders today. I'm so excited to talk about this. It's exactly, yeah. it's exactly what I need right now. <laughs> it's exactly. need to hear about murder. You okay. need to hear about an unsolved murder where the entire family was murdered. I mean, I don't want to laugh about it, it again. No, there, this is not a laughing matter. It's just... It, it does, it is something else to think about in times like these, COVID times, you know, whatever you have going on in your life. If you want to tune into this episode, get your mind off of whatever you have going on and, and hear about something that you probably have not heard about before, because I had never heard about this story and I'm born and raised in Oregon. And in fact, I think you brought it to my attention was the first time I had heard it when I started listening about listening to podcasts, you said, Hey, listen to this one about the Cowden family murders. And I was floored. I think the reason why I was so floored and why I find it so fascinating is because it's still unsolved and it's an entire family that got murdered. And when you go back and actually find, uh, murders where the entire family was murdered, it's pretty rare. Like, uh, in this day and age, we hear about a lot of, uh, murder, suicide, you know, the dad mm-hmm. murders, the whole family kills himself, Meh, very sad situation. Uh, in this case, you know, it, it's, it's hard to find a situation where an entire family has been murdered by someone and they don't know, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. And I guess it's a good thing. 
you know, that they're, that this is rare. I, I don't think yes. we're, you know, looking for. <laughs> right. We don't, we don't want to promote that or yeah. anything like go out and murder a family. Uh, right. but it's, but to me, it is, it's, it's just an interesting. And then, and we'll talk about it, but the way they were found is pretty creepy okay. in my opinion, really creepy. So yes, let's get to it. We're talking about the Cowden family, uh, who they are when this happened was September 1st, 1974 is when they went missing. That was the last time anyone has seen this family. And this is just a creepy story. Also, another strange thing, when I had first heard about it, I asked my dad if he remembered the story because they had moved to Southern Oregon around the time that this had happened. So I thought, oh, geez, you know, anytime anything happens around us, it just throws another little element to it. And so, hey, dad... Do you remember this happening? And he said, oh, yeah, I do. I worked with Richard Cowden's sister, the the man that was murdered, his sister. And he remembers uh, her being a really nice woman. And she actually, uh, my dad was employed with Harry and David for years. She actually left Harry and David to pursue finding what happened. I mean, he he remembers like it it overtook her life, basically. Yeah, so, but he remembers her being really nice. I just thought that was interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, that they were there during that time. And uh, at the time, it was one of the biggest cases in Oregon to date. So we're going to talk about the family. Our our story starts with Richard. Uh, Richard, at the time, was 28 years old. He was married to Belinda, and she was 22 years old. They had a five-year-old son named David and a five-month-old baby named Melissa. And another interesting fact about this case is this was an impromptu camped trip. Like no one, this was something that they had planned spur of the moment. There has actually been reports that they had, uh, Richard had some car work to do. Uh, His truck part didn't come in. They found it out and on a whim, they decided to go camping in the Siskiyou Mountains near Carberry Creek in Copper, Oregon. So that's really interesting to me that no, you know, this wasn't a planned thing that that he had had planned for the days. If someone had been watching them and wanted to kill this family for some weird reason, this wasn't something, you know, they weren't planning to do it at this camping trip because this particular camping trip was an impromptu trip. Okay. That they that they just spur of the moment planned that day when his truck part didn't come in. So keep that in mind. So on, I guess they would have gone up the day before. Uh, it was Labor Day weekend, nineteen seventy four, and was the last time they were seen. They weren't found until seven months later. Oh my goodness! So exactly. The last reported sightings of them that we know of, they arrived at their campsite. There's a little general store down the road. Uh, It's reported that Richard and his son, so his five-year-old son David, walked to the store probably to get some provisions, whatever you needed for that camping trip. That was the last known sighting that anyone has seen of the family. They did park their truck, though, uh, 
down the street from their campsite. So here's a theory. Did someone see their truck take advantage, you know, of where they're at? It In going back and reading about this, it seemed like a campsite where there was other campsites around because we have some sighting we have some other people coming forward during the story so we're not talking about some very desolate remote area in the forest that only these people know about this is a campsite that other people know about is where where i'm getting at so the last known sighting is of them going to this store and then nothing really comes of it. But what's really sad is Belinda's mom lived less than one mile from the campground and she was act- actually expecting them for dinner the next day. And when they didn't show up, she must have known uh, where they were at and she went to the campsite. When she went there, this is kind of creepy, she found all their belongings. She found his wallet on the ground. Wow. She found his watch on the ground. There was $109 there. There there was the milk jug sitting out. It was as if they had just walked up and left everything from their campsite. So this is in a situation where they had packed up. I think it was determined that the only thing that was missing was their swimsuits. So, you know, who knows? Did the family go and decide to take, you know, a dip in the water somewhere? I don't know if there was water somewhere, but who knows? So she goes to this campsite. There was an open pack of cigarettes on the ground, which were Belinda, uh, the wife's brand of cigarettes. So very creepy. That the truck was still on the side of the road with all their belongings inside there. And then again, the only thing that was missing was the bathing suits. How they know that, I don't know, but that's that's been reported. How they would, I, I don't know how they would know that they had their bathing suits on them, but maybe they're assuming and that they had bathing suits and they couldn't find them. But okay. so basically, these people go missing, they are gone. So that basically sparks uh, the largest search in Oregon's history to that date. There may have been delays when the search started because there was such a lack of violence at the campsite. Okay. So what I've read is that because of the lack of violence, there was a little bit of delay in getting things going, which would be very frustrating for the mother, I'm sure. Mm. I mean, here you have two little kids and the and the mom and the dad. I don't, I'm not sure why there was a delay, but I did read there was a little delay in getting the initial search going for these people. Who knows if that led to their demise, right? Mm-hmm. That's very sad to think about. The following morning from the day they went missing, their pet basset hound ended up scratching at the general store so their dog whoever their dog wasn't at the campsite when the mom goes there but the next morning the dog ends up finding his way to the store okay kind of creepy so if they did so if a theory is that they did take the dog with them whatever i i don't know maybe someone picked him up the dog didn't end up with them whoever whatever happened the dog ended up roaming around and then finding his way back to the general store that's so Uh, interesting you gotta wonder what the dog saw or went through 
Exactly. Poor little basset hound. Like, you should, exactly. Like, what? He's, he's our only hope, and we have no idea what he saw. Again, the reason why I think it's so strange is because this, this wasn't a planned trip. It definitely seems like it wasn't planned, a planned killing. It seems like it was something that happened, you know, spur of the moment, for whatever. Creepy, strange thing is that all their belongings were found at the site. They didn't take anything with them. Wherever they went, they didn't take anything with them. Their money, their cigarettes, nothing. And of course, and this then, uh, was during a time when there were, you know, no cell phones. If you were going to take something, you know, you would have taken your keys. You would have taken your purse. Definitely your cigarettes, right? Right. They didn't make it back to the truck. You know, were they in a situation where they had to escape? Well, they didn't escape in the truck because the truck is still parked on the side of the road. Okay. So uh, in, in as far as search efforts go, the state and local police got involved. There was over 150 interviews uh, conducted. There was numerous volunteers as far as Explorer Scouts. The United States Forest Service got involved. Uh, the Oregon National Guard got involved. This is one of the first times that they had to get involved in a crime case in Oregon. Wow. There's 25 miles of roads and trails up there. So Oregon National Guard actually had helicopters with infra infrared photography going on during this time, which is a pretty big thing. All those searches turned up nothing, 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 nothing. So it sounds like they canvassed a huge part of the area around the campsite. Nothing turns up. The $2,000 reward was put up, which would be probably equivalent to $10,000 today. Right. Okay. And then, of course, there was a, a letter in the Medford Mail Tribune put out that the sister wrote, uh, the sister of Richard Cowden, pleading with hunters in the area if they could search for the bodies while they're hunting you yeah. know if they're up there and hunting so very sad over 200 citizens wrote to the Oregon senator at the time mark hatfield requesting that the fbi get involved mm. the petition was denied because there was no evidence that these people were taken across state lines so the fbi would not get involved Wow. So very, very sad. At the time, there was uh, missing girls in the Pacific Northwest, and they actually tied this into maybe Ted Bundy at the time. They didn't know. So very sad, very, very sad or that they didn't find the bodies. But let's talk about when they did find the bodies, which was April 12th, 1975, so we're about seven months or so after okay. they went missing. Two gold prospectors from Forest Grove, Oregon, were hiking near Carberry Creek, exactly where these people were camping, and they discovered an adult male decomposed body tied to a tree on a hillside. Let me say that again. They discovered a male decomposed fucking body tied to a tree on a goddamn hillside. Like, what would you friggin' do? Like, I mean, that is creepy, right? Of course, at the time, they probably weren't thinking it was Richard Cowden. Okay. 
but come to find out it was Richard Cowden. And what's creepy about that is this was an area that had been searched. They had searched this this area, with, and, and he definitely wasn't tied to the hillside when they did their search seven months prior. Which so is they're so thinking, interesting. I mean, that we keep finding that as like a common thing, you know, that searchers somehow end up missing you know the hiker or missing the the person but how how would this be missed how how would it be missed and so what's even more sad is uh i guess a little ways away i don't know the exact distance from the hillside there was a cave that had been previously searched belinda and the kids were found in the cave Oh, man. So Belinda, yeah, Belinda, very, very sad. Belinda, the mom, and David, the five-year-old son, had been shot in the head with a twenty-two rifle. And the baby, five-month-old baby, had severe head trauma. <laughs> so sad. And they were found in this cave, which I reiterate, the cave had been searched before. Okay. So they're they're thinking, and then going back to Richard's death, they were actually unable to determine what exactly caused Richard's death, and maybe that was because of the elements, like how long he had been tied to the tree, and he was uh, really decomposed. Like what I read, they they came up on a decomposed body. So I don't know if that played into it. But I read that they were unable to determine the cause of his death. So, uh, well, if he disappeared, you know, they disappeared around Labor Day and then they were out in the elements for a full winter if they were found seven months later. Not that the winters are, you know, super harsh, but there could have been snow, you know, and it just the wildlife in terms of like what what may have happened to the body as well exactly so they were out there long enough then you have a theory that you know you have to think did did david do this (laughs) or did richard do this not david david's a five-year-old sorry he wouldn't have done this (laughs) did richard do this did Richard kill his family? But the odds are Richard, uh, they never found a murder weapon. So, you know, that negates that whole theory. If they, if he would have, you know, killed his family, tied himself to a tree or whatever, they would have found the weapon. They never did. Right. So that negates the theory that Richard killed his family and then killed himself. Uh, it's just really strange. I mean, I think overall in reading everything that they, I mean, it, there is a feel that these people were murdered and then moved back to this site because of the extensive searches that went on. And, nothing, you know, there have been people that have come out, a Grants Pass volunteer reported that he did search that cave. Uh, and there, there absolutely were no bodies in there when he searched the cave and he came out and and said that and stood behind it. So whatever happened to these people, it happened and they were moved there after the search was conducted. Okay. Which is it, which is creepy, creepy, isn't it? It's just, so, uh, 
Upon the investigation, of course, they talked to numerous people who were at the campsite on September 1st. One family uh, from L.A. were up camping, and they reported that they arrived to the campsite on September 1st at 5 p.m., and they witnessed two men and a woman parked nearby in a truck and reported that they acted like that they were waiting for us to leave, so the family moved on. So whatever happened, this family that came up to go camping here didn't feel comfortable with this uh, people that they saw sitting in this truck. They had a really creepy feeling about these people. And so another thing about this cave where the bodies were found, based on the cave location, they really think that it is someone that knows the area. Because mm -hmm. uh, I, that's what I have written down in my notes, that, you know, based on where the cave is, it isn't, it isn't easily accessible. You would really have to know about this cave. So keep that in mind. So there is a suspect in this case. Uh, his name is Dwayne Lee Little. He's never been charged with the case. I'm going to tell you why he's a suspect. So let's talk about Dwayne Lee Little a little bit, and then we'll tie into why he is a suspect in this case. Uh, at the time, he was a parolee from Oregon. He had been released in May of 1974, so a little, you know, a little bit, a little few months before our crime, and he was from Roosh, Oregon. Uh, he was in prison at the time because, uh, well, he was a parolee because he had murdered, murdered and raped a teenager. And then it is determined, and the reason why Dwayne Lee Little is a suspect is because it is determined that he was in Copper, Oregon on September 1st, 1974. So here you have this shady guy character. He's a parolee. Uh, he's, he, he knows the area. He's from the area and he was in Copper, Oregon the day of the crime. So all signs point to him. Uh, Little's girlfriend later came out and said that she did see him with a 22 caliber rifle around the time of the crime. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt. Who knows if she just was saying that. I mean, that's kind of hearsay, right? Mm -hmm. But his girlfriend has come out and said that he did have a rifle. And so, because she came out and said that he had a rifle, he went back into prison. And this isn't a good guy. So, in 1975, he went back into prison because he had a firearm. You're not, that's a no-no when you're a parolee. Uh, he was out again in 19, uh, April 1977, and he picked up, this is really sad, he picked up a pregnant 23-year-old named Margie Hunter, and uh, her car had broken down in Portland, mm -hmm. and he sexually beat her and almost killed her, but she survived. So then, so for that crime, Dwayne Lee Little was sent back and he's uh, to serve three consecutive life sentences. And oh my goodness, yeah. So we're not we're talking about a, a shady character. It was later determined that here I have it in my notes somewhere. It was later determined that it was Dwayne Lee Little's family was the shady family that those people saw at the campsite. You know, this guy was never charged. We have this shady, 
it, let's see, my notes say that it was Little and his parents in the truck at the campsite. So he definitely was at the campsite. So maybe he came out later on and said, yes, it was me. I was at the campsite that day. He ends up going into prison and supposedly he confessed to an inmate uh, that he shared a cell with named Rusty Kelly. He, he, he uh, yeah, exactly. Rusty Kelly. Rusty Kelly. He admitted to Rusty Kelly that uh, he killed the family, that he killed the Cowden family. So there you go. I don't know. I don't know if Little, but what's sad is Little, Little was never charged for the crime. So we'll never know if he was the person that killed the Cowdens. Uh, it, it, you know, all signs point that he was. I think the reason why this sparked my interest was, again, because it was an entire family that was killed. And you rarely hear that. And then just the fact that he was tied to the tree and they were found in the cave and, and it happened in Oregon. I mean, all those things make it very creepy to me and just worth talking about. Sure. So do we know if anything happened to Belinda, the wife, in terms of any type of a, you know, sexual assault? Or are they able to even determine that? You know, I as far as I read, it just said that she was shot. So I'm not sure... You know, again, you're talking about elements here. This is seven months after, and we've lived through a winter in, in the forest, you know. And I think it, it probably would snow up in those higher elevations, I would think. So, I mean, I don't think that they have released that she was raped. Okay. Um, but that just she was shot, the five-year-old was shot, and the baby was uh had severe head trauma which is interesting too you know how 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 i I don't understand how you could harm a child but then to hurt a baby like that and how did that happen and and why were they all separated why was the father tied up and why was the family inside the cave or wedged inside the cave you know what uh, i mean maybe to hide the remains or to conceal them maybe they were in there for a while and the person kept coming back to them which is creepy that's which happens right we know that that happens yeah. so yeah how long had they been in there for what what happened to them while they were there and and what what was the motive i guess you know that sounds like things were left behind right wallets purses a watch yeah. different Different things. Exactly. So we'll never know. And I think it's just a very, just kind of creepy. And, uh, I, I don't know. It just, it just sits, it just sits really weird with me because we'll never know, even though all signs point to Dwayne Lee Little, uh, and, and this, he is a creepy dude, you know, creepy dude. But just the fact that I guess their crime has gone unsolved all the years you feel really bad for Richard's sister Mm -hmm. and and that whole family and just what could I guess what could have been for the family you know if you look at them online they seem like a you know cute family and normal family so then you just think about geez all the all the wasted connections there it's pretty sad Mm -hmm. very sad 
That's kind of what I have about it. I mean, I don't have much more about it. I was going to talk about uh, other crimes where more families have been murdered. Actually, I morbidly got into like researching entire families that have been murdered. And like I said, I couldn't find that many stories, unsolved mysteries where an entire family has been murdered. So again, I think that that's why this makes it pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. What you think? What was the other, um, there was another family that, and this was more recent that disappeared very similar they weren't campy, but they literally disappeared from their house. Like on their counter was like bananas and on the couch was like a cereal bowl. Yeah. Didn't I think I, yes. Did they find these people though? I think they recently, and what didn't it tie into like cartel or something weird like that? Or did I read that right? Or... Yeah. A business, like his business partner, I believe was the one that, uh... So uh, it's hard, it's hard to believe that, you know, wrapping your brain around that there was this opportunity, right? For whoever this person was, or maybe more than one person to just happen to be out there um, in the middle of nowhere and have an opportunity or take the opportunity to hurt this family. It's so bizarre very strange and that's i guess that's goes back to why you know we talked about different theories with what happened with kyron and i think you said yeah but you know i said well what if he just wandered out of the school and someone picked him up and you said what are the odds of that happening but what are the odds uh, i mean it does happen you people are in the wrong place at the wrong mm-hmm. time and and, and evil happens, which is really scary. I go back to that story uh, in Corvallis. Do you remember about that college, that girl? She was, we, it's really sad because we drive by the apartment complex every time we go to Corvallis. But she was working for her sister. Her name's Brooke Wilberger, but hers, she was working for her sister and they were managing this apartment complex. And she was out there cleaning the light posts and got kidnapped. Mm. Yeah, so then I it, that. Yes. And it came out and, and all they had left of her was her sandals sitting there. And then some years later, maybe even, it, you know, they found out who did it and he literally came out and I'll never forget this. He said, I, I saw an opportunity mm. and I took it. So really scary that there are people out there that think that way and it does happen so uh it's really scary to think about i you don't want to live your life being paranoid uh you know well i can tell you we um dave and i recently took a drive out into the woods ish to try to find a place where we could just pull our camper up and rough it, I guess. I don't, I don't know what it's actually called when you, there are designated spots and you can look them up where you can pull off and camp on some of these, uh, state land or yeah. Yeah. So we, we went out to a couple different places, but the, the one place that I went to with him, 
you know, we were pretty open and giving it a chance. And as we were driving and, and you become more and more isolated, you know, you kind of start to see a lot of garbage on the side of the road dumped, you know, and we look over and there's literally a car in the ravine, like a car on the side of the mountain. And I'm thinking that maybe somebody just got into an accident because it's windy out there. But we continued on and Dave says, no, the doors are open. Whoever, whoever was in there is long gone. Wow. And we proceeded on and found the spot that Dave had found on the map and we hiked down into it. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful spot. But the whole time we were walking around, I just kept feeling like at any moment anyone could walk out from the woods. Yes. It was not because I think that I could die at any time from a serial killer slash slash Sasquatch, which I normally do. This was something different. This was this awareness that people are in the woods, like, and even more so in this area now, there are a lot of people that spend time in the woods and there are a lot, yeah. you know, people that are unhoused or unable to get housing. And there's, it, it's, if you want to talk about sketchy, there was a feeling we both agreed and we chose not to camp there, even though it was a beautiful spot. Good. You listen to that gut mm-hmm. feeling that people don't listen to. I think exactly. that goes back to, you know, we were going to throw out tips at the end of our episodes and stuff. And I guess, you know, okay, so you're out there in the woods. What if someone did just approach you? Were you and Dave prepared at that time? Like, did you have anything to defend yourself? Or, uh, you know, did Dave have a freaking hatchet in his hand? Or, you know, I mean, did you have anything? No, and, and that's the thing is, even back in 19, you know, 74, I imagine what what would we, you know, what would we even be prepared with or what, I mean, maybe we would have camping, even us now you bring what a hat, you know, an ax or. I mean, I guess people do come armed. You got to think a lot of people out there are armed in this day and age, (laughs) but we don't bring a gun with us. Like we have a baseball bat and (laughs) I mean. (laughs) But that's the thing is nowadays you're right being out there like that you know we are you are vulnerable but if a person comes up on you they are taking a chance that you are that you have a weapon and you're right about that not only that but you have a cell phone too so mm-hmm. i think you know meeting out there with dave is one thing right like there's a male with me if it was you know me and a friend a female out there um i think yeah the fact that it was a family with two small children, I uh-huh. doubt that the, the dad is going to be brazen. He's maybe not going to, you know, he'd be, maybe be more careful because he's worried about his children. Exactly. Maybe he was coerced and he, right. he's like, okay, I, if, if, if my wife and my kids want to make it out of this alive, I'm going to listen to them and get right. in the car with them. And, you know, maybe that's what happened. Uh, Do you think was, that they were put in the car, a car, and then taken I mean, somewhere else? I mean, there's no sign of a struggle, though. So it's more like they just walked away. 
to maybe go, I don't know, maybe they were all together and uh, it's just so hard to say. Yeah, I think that they were picked up and taken somewhere. Killed, kept, and brought back to the site is what I think. But, and I don't know if it was Dwayne Lee Little, but it is a theory that it was him. And he did come out and tell Rusty Kelly that it was him. So, I mean, (laughs) should we assume that it was him? Uh, if it was him, he was in, he was in, yeah, look him up. He was in prison. A quote from a state trooper that commented about what it was like to come into the campsite once they were notified it it says the camp sure was spooky even the milk was still on the table exactly whatever happened to them it happened probably suddenly they weren't expecting it and they were not prepared for it and that and that's creepy so i think anytime you go camping especially in those areas out in those areas, remote areas, you know, uh, definitely be prepared. And your cell phone's not going to work in those areas. So I don't, you know, have a can of mace with you if you're going and going to the bathroom by yourself or, you know, you got to think about these things. I, I, I have a fear that our young people of this world don't, I, I say these things to my kids and they like gloss over like I'm paranoid or something, but I, You kind of have to be in this day and age. You do. I think that there's definitely a a healthy balance. And you and I have been doing enough reading and research to know that sometimes there's just opportunity. And it's, it's the person just being in a spot at the wrong time, you know. And, And when you're out in nature like that, I personally think the, the biggest risk is just the, possibility that you can be injured like on your own i think feasibly is the biggest risk we take when we go into isolated isolated areas i don't think you know as much as i joke about there being serial killers in the woods which um we love to talk about and read about i really think the biggest risk to people's safety is themselves but I also think that you, we know well enough that it's really just a matter of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, which I definitely happened to the Cowdens. Yeah. Whatever happened to them, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time, which is really sad because they were having a lovely camping trip as a family. Mm-hmm. So to think that, you know, you're, you're going there to make family memories and then you end up, you know... And this is another case of, you know, what did people see around them? What did they, you know, were there people that saw something and they didn't even know? And exactly like they had that report of those people saying, yeah, we did see some sketched out people in a truck. And then they turned around and they turned it, they, they linked it to the littles. So Mm -hmm. I think... In this day and age, it really is hard. I know if I can go to Walmart, you run into some crazy sketch people in the parking lot every day. Like, and I just put my head down and like, I'm really bad. Like I, I am the last person to sit there and be observant. Like when I'm out in public, I'm usually like my head down. I'm getting what I want. I'm getting the F out, especially now during this COVID time. 
But so I guess being aware of what, what's around you and also letting other people know where you're going is a huge one to me. You know, the mom did know where they were going, but you know, if ever you're going to take a trip, just let someone know, you know, what your plans are. Cause that that's huge. I mean, we're definitely living in a time where, you know, traveling alone is much more accessible and acceptable for women, for men, whatever, right? But again, you know, you're at risk if if you're not keeping in touch with someone, if someone doesn't know where you're at. There are devices, tracking devices. I mean, our cell phones have tracking on them. There are devices as a hiker that you can wear so people can find you. But this is different. I mean, you know, there's this innocence lost, uh-huh. you know, when you when you feel like you can't enjoy, you know, going out into the woods with your family and camping without worrying about what could happen to you. So it sounds to me like they weren't prepared for anything like this. I don't think you can be, but... Letting people know, looking looking at what's going on around you, following your intuition. And are we paying attention? Like you said, when you go places, are you in and out? Are you focused on yourself? Or are you looking around to see what's going on with other people and, and noticing if there is something that doesn't feel right? Yeah, I'm definitely not that type of person. I can tell you that. Like, I uh, get pretty turned off by the public sometimes, so... You know, maybe that maybe that should be my new way is just put my head up and actually look around. But, you know, if there was like a little scuffle going on or something, then I would I'd be the person that turns and walks the other direction because I don't want to have anything to do with it. I am the last person to get involved, which isn't good, you know. So I think this world does need people to get involved and uh, be aware, right? So I think we're going to wrap up that for the Cowdens. That's all I have on the Cowdens, unless you want, unless, do we feel like that was enough? I mean, I feel like it was a short and sweet. Yeah, I think it was good. Okay, perfect. So I'm going to stop it. Let's stop it. I know she needs a CPAP daddy her eyes are open too it's so creepy what yeah. creepy she, like she's looking at you she's like that's not right it, I know okay she's moving now she okay. heard, she heard me talking get about back her cr- get girl girl she, needs air what the fuck that was she <laughs> needs a CPAP, okay? We can't afford it. It's too much money. To Our insurance doesn't study. cover it. I know. She needs to do the sleep study. A COVID, she gets do you know how CPAP. hard it would be to get her in during these COVID times? There's no way she's going to get a sleep she study. She needs it. I know.